time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Today's broadcast is pre-recorded. He is my life. And it seems that everything in our culture tries to homogenize me. You know what I mean by homogenize? This morning for breakfast I had cottage cheese, and I mixed with that strawberries and uh, an oil, and I blended that or I homogenize that, and then I add milk to that and blend it again, so I get a faint flavor of strawberry, and it's a very healthy drink, but it's homogenized. It doesn't satisfy my need. I like to chew food. I don't like to drink my calories. I want to I chew my food. I like something I can get my teeth into. In this culture, it feels like everything is homogenized. The news is all homogenized. It's all blended up into a nice, smooth mix. Rarely is there anything to get your teeth into because they don't want you to know very much. With friends, family, everybody wants to be smooth and comfortable and and easy and no no confrontation i guess i'm the kind of guy who just has so many questions i want to ask and i refuse to just be quiet and not ask people those questions like what is your walk like with jesus have you committed any sin in the last day what were the temptations you faced I mean, these are the questions I ask my friends. If you were with me right now in person, I'd be saying to you, please tell me about your life in the last 24 hours. What what has happened to you? I want to know. Because I'm passionate about Jesus, and I want to talk about the real stuff. I don't want to talk about this homogenized. I've got to be careful how I describe it. But you get my point. You know, I don't want to go to a worship service and have them spoon-feed me pablum that they've homogenized. And, of course, the big deal today is preaching is not enough. You have to have the, the video that goes on behind you. Some pastors today are or even giving clips of movies that are at the theaters, and then they'll give some moral lesson to that. I know that deal. When when I was just beginning in the ministry, we didn't do that. Instead, we used Reader's Digest stories, homogenized. Well, I don't want homogenized gospel. I want the straight, honest, true word of God. I want it to confront my sin. I want it to confront your sin. I want something we can get our teeth into. It drives me crazy. Sometimes I feel like an insane man because all around me, everything is geared to cooling me down so that I'm not hot for the gospel of Jesus. I'm just lukewarm. And Jesus talked about this in Revelation. He said, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. I wish you were either ice cold or hot. Everything in our culture, however, is geared to warm us up and cool us down. I mean, look at the big topics of the day. The Kardashians or some other foolishness. Some phony plot that the FBI has cooked up and convinced some kids foolish kids to get involved in so they can throw them in jail and say, we avoided another great terrorist attack, pure entrapment. Instead of sending them to jail, they probably ought to be caned and sent home to their daddies and their mamas. I mean, they're kids. But we'll put them in jail and we'll pay 
25 or $30,000 a year to keep them incarcerated so that our FBI can say, we did something great, we got some terrorists. Now, what is this big bugaboo about searching for terrorists? And now they're scared to death. Oh, somebody's going to implant a bomb in somebody's tummy, and they're going to come in the airplane and blow us up. Who are they saving us from? I mean, we have become a nation of wimps. Life is not safe. And Big Daddy government can't make me be safe. I don't want them to make me safe. My trust is in Jesus. My trust is getting my teeth in reality. You know, sometimes I want to say to you all, I'm the pastor of Reelsville. Now, I don't want this homogenized, phony, saccharine, sweet, sugary gospel with a little flavor mixed into it. I'll drink those kinds of drinks on occasion in the morning like I did this morning for my health benefits because I needed that protein pickup. But that's not going to be my diet. I want something I can get my teeth in, something that is real, something that makes a difference in my life and in your life. And if this broadcast is not making a difference in your life, then please tell me because it means I'm still too homogenized. I want it straight up. Tell me the truth. Confront me with the truth. I want to know what is my sin. What are the ways of God? How do I cooperate with him? You know, I'll tell you my, my most recent understanding, and it's a fascinating one to me. And the one who articulated this was a dear brother by the name of David Sampson. And I think he's right on. And David and Catherine, if you're listening to this broadcast, give yourself a hug. Thank you. And it's simply this. I don't need to go on my knees and plead with God to help me with this radio broadcast by moving in people to provide money. I don't need to spend hours and days fasting and praying, asking God to send the money for this broadcast. The revelation to me was very simple. I'm not here doing my broadcast and asking God to come get involved with me in doing this broadcast. Instead, this is God's broadcast. He told me to do it, and he's in charge. So, now the question is, will I come to him and humbly bow my head and say, Lord, how can I help you today with the broadcast? It's not a matter of my begging him to do what he intends to do. It's a matter of asking, how can I cooperate with you? And that's part of why I've been talking about this broadcast in terms of inviting you to come and walk with me and journey with me toward heaven. It's not my journey. It's the journey of the Lord Jesus. It's the, it's the journey that he calls all disciples to. But it means we have to get off the byways and get on the straight and narrow path. It means we have to give our hearts over to the Lord Jesus Christ deny ourselves, take up our cross, and get on this narrow path and walk faithfully and cooperate with Jesus and ask him, how can I help you, Jesus? So I don't want Jesus to help me with this broadcast. It's already his. It's not mine. I'd like Jesus to know that I'm here to help him. I'm here to serve him. I'm here to lift him up. I'm here to honor his mighty name. I'm passionate about doing that. So it's not my little deal that I have, and I have to ask God to come and help me with my little deal. No, it's God's big deal. And he wants to do something in Washington, D.C. He wants to change you. He wants to transform you into the likeness of Jesus. He wants your body and your mind and your soul, and he wants it to become the dwelling place of the Most High God. He wants the fullness of God to enter into your heart and into your life. And frankly, you have to make a decision because you're the one who was prompted by the Holy Spirit to tune into this broadcast. 
What are you going to do with this? Some of you, I know, you get angry. I offend you. I'm not sorry. I praise God that something is solid that you can get angry at, that it cuts across your worldly lifestyle, that it causes you to say, I better turn that television off. I better turn the Redskins off. I better not follow these professional sports anymore. I better get serious about going to heaven. I better turn aside from that fornication. I can't tell you the joy as a new person came to the church on Sunday and said to one of our members, I'm in a relationship, but I'm not fornicating. Wow. Now that that's something we can start to sing and shout about. To be in a relationship, but then boldly and upfront say, but I am not fornicating. I am living clean before Jesus. See, this is the kind of robust gospel that attracts strong men and women. Men and women, boys and girls who are tired of the homogenized gospel, who don't want this cheap junk anymore, who don't want just entertainment, who don't want to go to church Sunday after Sunday and listen to pablum. They want something, you want something you can get your teeth in, that you can settle on, that you can be certain of, that is going to carry you all the way to heaven. Well, I guess that was my rant for today. But I feel so strongly about this. You know, I, I'm on my way to heaven. I'm sold out. It doesn't matter who I please or who I displease, as long as I please my Lord Jesus. I don't come to you as a needy person. I don't come to you as a complaining person. I find neediness and complaining very unattractive. I come instead strong in the name of Jesus. I know where I'm going. I know what I want. And I am humbly waiting before Jesus. And in every way I can, in every possible way I can serve him, Regardless of the cost personally, I'm going to be there and I'm going to do it. So, my name is Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel. You're welcome to email me at pastorray at nationalprayerchapel.com. You're also welcome to call and share in this broadcast today. We're on live streaming at nationalprayerchapel.com. Our in-studio phone number is 877-534-0780. Are you excited about Jesus today? Are you walking strong in the power of the Spirit? Or are you a victim today? Are you moaning and groaning and complaining God won't answer your prayers. God won't do this. God does that. Your family does this to you. Your job, this happens to you. Are you a a needy complainer? Or are you a strong follower of Jesus Christ, walking in power and authority? I'd like to hear from you. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. You know, it takes a real man, it takes a real woman to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And we've been reading this book together, Pilgrim's Progress. I'll tell you what, Jonathan Bunyan was not a wimp. He was willing to go to jail for 12 years while he wrote this book because he would not secure a license to preach. He didn't believe the state had the right to give him the privilege of preaching. There was fire in his belly, and so he preached regardless of what the state had to say about it. After six years, they brought him out of the prison, and they said, Now look, we'll release you, providing you stop preaching. He said, You might as well leave me in. Well, they didn't. They kicked him out of prison after six years. He went with his wife. 
She got pregnant. He started preaching again. And they threw him back in jail. And the trauma was so great for his wife that she lost the baby. The Bunyans paid an incredible price to follow Jesus. What price have you paid to follow Jesus? What price have you paid to follow Jesus? Have you paid a price? Or are you a needy victim? I guess today I want to say, stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Stand up for being a Christian. Proclaim to friends and family, I am on my way to the celestial city. My home is heaven. I'm not a part of this deal. I refuse to be homogenized. I will be a colorful person bound for heaven with a personality. You know, when Jesus comes into our heart, he doesn't destroy our soul. He just destroys the sin. He doesn't take our personality from us. He enhances our personality. He makes it even more colorful and and stronger in flavor. So are you a follower of Jesus today? Are you a pilgrim? Are you on that straight and narrow path? Or have you turned aside on a byway? Well, in our chapter today, we're dealing with the delectable mountains. And I've been right on topic in what I've been saying because Bunyan identifies these delectable mountains. As you read carefully, he's speaking about the church. And he's speaking about the shepherds. They say to Bunyan, or to Pilgrim, Christian, few make it this far. Few make it this far. It's true. Most people don't make it very far on the path before they fall off on one of the byways that they get attracted to and they go off into sports or they go off into some other activity. Just a brief note. Moms and dads, I'm very concerned about what you're doing with your kids. I can't tell you how many Christians, good, solid Christian men and women, have children and then train them to be citizens of the world instead of citizens of heaven. They put them in every sports program. They take them to every dance lesson. They take them to every kind of activity. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus is just a myth. He's a legend. He's somebody we go and listen to about on Sundays. I want to tell you, it is your responsibility, Mom and Dad, to raise godly children for Jesus. It is not your job to keep your kids happy. It is your job to keep your kids holy. And if they're holy, they will be happy. I'm not talking about straight-laced legalism. I'm talking about integrity. I'm talking about honesty. I'm talking about spending the time and energy with our children so that they know who we are and they know what we stand for and they see walked out day by day a constant affirmation that this family is not homogenized. It is not settling into this world. We are on a pilgrimage. We are on a journey. I, I tell you, I remember as a child, we drove by, well, first we lived in a little Insel brick home. There were five of us, and that home was probably about a thousand square feet. The basement had a dirt floor. Part of it was cemented, but part of it was dirt. It was a very humble house on a farm. And I was driving with my dad as just a boy, and I we drove by this beautiful home. And I pointed it out to my dad, and I said, Daddy, why can't we live in a house like that? And his response was quite surprising. He said, Raymond, we could live in a house like that. I said, then, Daddy, why don't we live in that kind of house? 
that would be so much nicer than where we are. He said, Raymond, we're using the money instead of living in that kind of house. We're using that money and we're sending it to the mission field because we're getting our reward on the other side. It was only later that I learned that my dad had dedicated 50% of his income to the work of the gospel. Straight across the board, 50% of our income went to the work of the gospel. Now, I was not always happy about that as a boy because it meant that you went barefoot in the summer. It meant we wore bib overhauls. Sometimes they had holes in the knees. We didn't dress in the latest fashions. We shopped at J.C. Penney. We shopped in places that were not very expensive. But our money was going to win the lost for Jesus. We're going to have a treasure in heaven. I have followed that pattern through my life. I don't live in a big fancy house. I live in a little townhouse. I followed that pattern. Sometimes I got off course. When I went to seminary, I said, I've had it with this cheap living. I had a full scholarship to seminary plus a living allowance, housing allowance. So I worked a side job and bought my first Mercedes. I said, this pastor is going to drive a nice car. I'm not going to drive an old car like my dad drives. So I drove my Mercedes. I always drove a Mercedes until Jesus began to get a hold of my heart. Then I had to sell my Mercedes. I had to start focusing on what the kingdom of God is all about, not about my lifestyle. Now, I'm not telling you you shouldn't drive a Mercedes. Perhaps with your income level, you can afford to drive a Mercedes. I can't. I won't. If one of you were to call me and say, Pastor, I know you need a car. I have a beautiful Mercedes. I'd like to give it to you. I'd say, thank you very much. I'll receive your Mercedes. And I would immediately put a for sale sign in it, and I'd sell it. I wouldn't drive it. If you offered me a Chevy Corvette, I would put a for sale sign in it. I would not drive it. Why wouldn't I? Because I'm not of this world. This is not where my heart is. I'm not enamored by automobiles. I'm not enamored by clothing and housing. And I'm not about money and power and pleasure. I'm about the kingdom of God. So we come to this church, and I'm going to say something that may surprise you, but I believe it with all my heart. The most important event of the week is when you and your family gather in a church to worship Jesus Christ. That is the most important event of the week. And if you allow anything to get in the way of that, you are cheating Jesus and you are cheating your family. I have families who will say, Oh, pastor, I won't be here next week. We're, we're headed out to King's Dominion for the week or the weekend. I say to them, cut your time short and be back here on Sunday for service. This is where Jesus will meet you. He will not meet you at King's Dominion. I'll guarantee you. Well, some families have gotten upset with me about that and said, Pastor, you're being kind of hard-edged, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm being honest. Some people say, oh, I have a concert I have to go to, Pastor. No, forget the concert, forget the social engagement, let the dead bury the dead, be in church on Sunday. There is nothing more important than meeting with God's people when they gather. I'd say the same thing for us on Tuesday evening. We have a prayer service where we really talk honestly about the gospel and about our experience. It's kind of a Wesleyan class meeting. It meets on Tuesday evening at 6.30. 
those two meetings, that worship service and that prayer service, those are the two most important meetings of your week because they hold your eternal destiny. What's going to happen for eternity is going to depend on what you do with Jesus. And when the church gathers, he meets with us, and he moves in us, and he speaks to our hearts. He gives us opportunity to to lift one another up, to encourage one another in the walk. As the time of the end comes, it's important that we more and more meet together, that we gather in the name of Jesus. Where two or three are gathered, there he is. It doesn't have to be a big deal. You're not coming for a social time. You're not coming for coffee and donuts. That's why when you come to the National Prayer Chapel, I can guarantee you we're not going to serve you coffee and donuts. And we're not going to serve you cupcakes. We're not a cupcake congregation. We're not a coffee and donuts congregation. We're the, we're the bread of life congregation. We're the blood of Jesus congregation. Oh, we fellowship. We fellowship in Jesus, not chit-chatting about all the casual events of the week. We have plenty of time to do that all through the week. So the most important event of the week is when the church gathers to worship Jesus. Be there if you're serious about Jesus. Be there if you want to be on the narrow path. Don't deviate. Don't take a bypass off. Don't say, oh, we're headed to the beach, or we're headed to the concert, or we're headed to King's Dominion, or we're going... No, be in church. Be there. These pastors spoken of in Bunyan's book, The Shepherds, let me give you their names. Knowledge, experience, watchful, sincere. Do you know what the word sincere is? Do you know what it comes from? It comes out of the Greek. They would say when they went to the marketplace, I would like a sincere pot. Well, what they mean? Well, they would have the clay pots that had been fired, and sometimes they would crack. And a dishonest person would fill that crack in with some clay. And then when you put it on the fire, it'll leak. So an insincere pot is one that is cracked and leaks. A sincere pot would be a pot that is whole, that has integrity. One of the names that Bunyan gives the pastor is an uncracked pot that he will hold in his life the truth of the gospel. He will have integrity. So let me read for you. Then I saw in my dream that in the morning the shepherds called Christian and hopeful to them and asked them to walk with them upon the mountains. So they went with them and walked a while, having a pleasant view all around them. Then the shepherds said to one another, Shall we show these pilgrims some wonders? So the shepherds are now talking about the sheep. And they're saying, Are they mature enough to handle this? Shall we tell them the inside deal? Shall we show the pilgrims some wonders? So After they'd agreed to do it, they took them first to the top of a hill called Air, with which had a very steep side, the far side, and asked them, look down to the bottom. So Christian and Hopeful looked down and saw at the bottom several men dashed to pieces by a fall. Then Christian asked, what does this mean? The shepherds answered, Haven't you heard of those who fell into air by listening to Hymenaeus, who denied the faith, by refusing to believe in the resurrection of the body? When they answered that they had, the shepherds continued, 
Those whom you see dashed in pieces at the bottom of this mountain are they, and they have continued to this day unburied, as you see, for an example to others to take heed not to clamor too high or to come too near the brink of this mountain. Let's talk about this this mountain air. Jesus spoke about this in the book of Matthew, the gospel. Do you remember we shared early on in this broadcast, Matthew 7, verse 13? I'll read it for you simply to give you a, a context. Enter through the narrow gate, that is the suffering, affliction gate. For wide is the gate, And broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small, or groaning, is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And we spoke about this in terms of most people who say they're Christian will not be able to enter into the heavenly kingdom because they were unwilling to go through this groaning gate. They were unwilling to suffer affliction. You cannot follow Jesus Christ and not suffer affliction. You will suffer affliction. If you're not suffering anything and if you're not groaning, you can be fairly certain you're one of those who will not enter into the kingdom of God. Now, all the time we're groaning and suffering, we're lifting our hands up to Jesus, there's joy in our heart, and we're praising his mighty name. We suffer that affliction because our life is in such a contrast to the homogenized wickedness of this world that we will be persecuted because of our testimony regarding the integrity of our lives and the excellence with which we do our work. A young man in our congregation just got a job as a plumber's helper. I've said to him, do not shame the name of Jesus in that place. The boss said to me, all he needs to do to be successful is to come on time, to do what he's asked to do, and to show initiative. Not sit around and and wonder what he should do next, but get in and go to work. Well, I think this boss was pretty wise. And I've talked to this young man about it, and I've said, do not shame the name of Jesus. You know that by being on time, you have to be 15 to 30 minutes early. And you have to begin laying out the work for the day so that when the plumber gets there, he's all set up. You're there to help him. You're there to be a servant to him. So do what he asks you to do and show initiative. Go the extra mile. That's what it means to work with excellence. That's what it means to be a Christian. Don't shame being a Christian. If you go to your work and you engage in all of the gossip of the day and you complain against the boss and you do the minimum amount of work required, you are shaming the name of Jesus Christ. You go there instead as a humble servant. You do more than you're asked. You get there early. You show initiative. You do what you're asked. You're a serious servant of the Most High God. Well, this is what Jesus was talking about. Notice the very next verse. This is Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse 15. Watch out for false prophets, or watch out for false teachers, or false pastors false advisors. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. In the scripture, what is good fruit? Love, Joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, 
long-suffering. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the good fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I'll never forget a a man that I love dearly was a part of our congregation. And every time this topic would come up, he would kind of shiver. And he'd say, I'm always troubled by that passage of Scripture, that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. I didn't understand what his concern was until I'd known him a while. And then I discovered that he was a very angry, hostile man underneath his smile. I learned that the fruit of his life was violence. I learned that the fruit of his life was jealousy. I learned that the fruit of his life was ambition. Oh, he did many wonderful things in the church. He could perform miracles. He always said, I pray for the sick and they get, they get healed. He could sing the most beautiful of God's songs. He could write music. A very talented man, a wonderful, wonderful man by every outward appearance, except underneath the fruit of his life was violence and anger and jealousy and ambition. What's the fruit of your life? How are you walking with Jesus? Have you been turned aside by false prophets? Jesus is warning that we must continue to walk in the way. And I'll tell you, as I've read this this book, the Holy Spirit has just said to me that false prophets will not call you to repent. Somebody called the radio station and they complained that Pastor Ray Greenley was a false prophet. Through the tears, I had to laugh. A false prophet will never confront you with your sin and will never call you to repent, and that's all I do. A false prophet will comfort you in your sin. A false prophet will tell you that all's well. Go on your way. Be normal. You're okay. Know that Jesus loves you. Everything is fine. They'll help you justify your sin. They'll say, you did the best you could. That's all you could do is the best you could do. It's okay. Yes, you got angry. And you were violent. But that's all right. God forgives you. Just go on. No, it's not all right. Repent. Spend the time on your knees before God and let that bitterness be taken from your heart. Spend the time confessing and repenting and getting, getting to the very bottom of that issue that is that root. You know, I've just learned something. Brother Jim was here last week, and he was working on one of my computers, and he discovered that it had a root virus. Now, what is a root virus? I'd never heard of such a thing. Well, simply to my uneducated mind, a root virus was explained this way. When you do your virus check and it finds something on your computer and it cleans your computer and erases it, then you reboot your computer, you start it again, immediately that same virus pops up. 
And no matter how many times you take it off, it pops up again and again and again. Why? Because there's a root virus. And that root virus, before the program is started, installs things from the very root of your computer. It loads it. So when Windows loads, it loads the virus along with it. I said, well, how do we get rid of it? He said, well, we can just wipe out the whole memory and reload everything. I said, I don't want to do that. I'll lose all of my data. He said, don't you have it backed up? No, I don't. Well, I should have, but I don't have. Okay, I'm not a computer guy. He's helping me get there, by the way. So I had to take it into a specialty shop because Jim had run out of time. I took it into a place called Pegasus Computers in Woodbridge. It's the best place I know. Peter is a dear friend who owns Pegasus Computer. You can find it on the on the internet, Pegasus Computer. They do primarily a web business. And Peter and Victor and some others work there. They're, they're great at what they do. He called me last night and said, your computer's clean. You can come pick it up. He was able to remove that root virus. Well, come on. How do you get rid of that root virus of bitterness and anger in your soul? It's going to reload every time you start up, and certain things will happen in your life, and it will trigger you, and off you go on that bitter, angry bent again. And the violence will erupt in your soul. Your kids are going to catch it. Your wife is going to catch it. They're going to walk around you on eggshells. How do you get rid of that root of violence? Well, you can just erase everything and start over, but you can't with your mind. You go to Jesus, and you spend whatever hours and whatever time is necessary fasting and praying and waiting before God, asking him by the power of the blood of Jesus to remove that virus from the root of your soul. And when he finally confirms for you that that work is done, it will be finished. There was a beautiful young woman in our congregation. She had a sweet smile. She began to work in the fellowship, began serving in different kinds of ways, and I began to get reports about her that she was very brusque and angry. In fact, one man said to me, you know, Pastor, I just stay away from her on Sunday morning because she's angry. She's not pleasant to be around when she starts to take charge and take control. Well, I went to her and talked about the issue, and I confronted her with the issue, and there were tears. I did it kindly. She's probably listening to our broadcast right now. She may call and confirm. If she does, that would be wonderful. But I watched as she went to the prayer closet on this. I watched as she waited on Jesus, and by the power of the blood, everyone at the National Prayer Chapel would now testify that she is an utterly changed person. That angry spirit is utterly removed. That root of bitterness is gone from her soul. It is simply not there. And Sunday, as we were getting things organized, she was right in the middle of all of it. And somebody said to me, look at her face. Her face is the face of an angel. There is such sweetness in her spirit. I said, yes, it's Jesus. He has done an awesome work in her soul. Do you need this work done in your heart? I'd love to pray with you. We have a few minutes left in the broadcast. My name is Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I'd like to talk with you about Jesus. If you're passionate for Jesus, you have a testimony of deliverance, or if in your heart you have a root, a root of anger, a root of lust, a root of bitterness, 
a root of ambition, of selfishness, of love of money, call. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. My number is 877-534-0780. I know it's not easy to call and talk about these kinds of issues. It's much easier to call and talk about politics or talk about sports or talk about some pleasant topic. Sorry, we don't do that on this broadcast. We're here to talk about the real stuff. We're here to get real with Jesus and with each other. We're here to bear testimony that Jesus is who he says he is. We're here to be passionate about the journey. So if you'd like to call, do so quickly. We have a few minutes left in the broadcast, and I'd like to talk with you at 877 534 0780. Call and and share your testimony. Hi, welcome. What would you like to share, Melvin? Uh, I have a root of lust in my life. It seems like I can't drive the streets without noticing women walking by themselves and trying to pick them up. And so I like prayer about that. Let's pray about it, Melvin. Okay. I'm going to ask you to pray first, and then I'll join you, and I'll pray. Okay. All right. Father God, uh, I come to you because I know that when something is broken in my life, only you can fix it. And I yes. just pray right now that you would help me with this root of lust in my life that causes me to uh, approach every single woman that I see by herself and help me to just see them as Christ would see them and not as I would see them because I want them for my own, uh, to satisfy my own lust. In Jesus' name, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Lord, I'm in agreement with Melvin, and we renounce this spirit of lust in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus, and we command it to go now. You have no longer any authority to remain in Melvin's heart or in his life. And Lord, there is an emptiness in Melvin's heart. Lord, he needs that godly companionship. And Lord, I'm asking, would you cause Melvin now to turn to you, Jesus? Would you hear the cry of his heart? And would you meet that cry by bringing into his life the person you have chosen for him? Not one that he would go searching for, but the person that you would have for him. Lord, I lift him up before your throne, and I ask that this change would happen now. And Lord, give him courage, give him faith, and cause him to rise up and cast this stuff off and no longer walk in it. Cause him to flee from it in the name of Jesus, and cause his faith to reach out and take a hold of the promise that you are enough for him and that you will bring to him the person that you have chosen. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ray. You're welcome, Melvin. And and I would ask, please do a follow-up call with me and share what God has done. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. Would you like to call? We have five minutes left in this broadcast. We have time for one caller to get in and either confess sin or give a testimony and talk about Jesus. He's the one we seek. He's the one we desire. I do not want to be led astray, and I do not want you to be led astray by false prophets who tell you to be pardon me, to be comfortable, to be comfortable in your sin. There's a passage of Scripture I'm going to read for you. I urge you to read on your own the whole second chapter of 2 Peter. That 2 Peter, the second chapter, let me read a portion of it for you. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you. 
they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of the truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. I want to tell you today, it's time to get real with Jesus. It's time to lay down the sin. It's time to get on our faces and cry out to him. It's time to leave behind the homogenized church, the homogenized religion. It's time to get your teeth into the scriptures and begin to search the scriptures and read. It's time to turn the television off. It's time to leave the internet behind. It's time to call on the name of Jesus and seek after him with all of your heart. We are at the end. The judgments of God have already begun to be poured out on America. America will burn in a day. We are going to see incredible things happen. Terrifying things are going to happen. Get ready now by getting clean with Jesus walking in the power of the Spirit, walking by faith, walk in victory. The gospel path, the king's highway, the narrow path, whatever you want to call it, it is there and it leads from the city of destruction all the way to heaven. If you're not on that path today, get on your face and get there. Follow after Jesus. My name is Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel, and I invite you to come this evening, Tuesday evening, to our service. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you'll find there the directions. Or send me an email at pastorray at nationalprayerchapel.com, or you're welcome to call me on a personal cell phone, and I'll talk with you or pray with you. The number is 703 702-1203. Now let me pray for you. Lord, I'm sure there are many out there listening now. You have convicted their heart. You are calling them to lay down their lust, their anger, their bitterness, their dishonesty, their fornication. Lord, every area you're asking them to come clean to follow after you, to be passionate about you. Lord, I'm asking that you would move and raise up revival in their hearts. I'm asking that you would raise up great conviction of sin in their spirits. I'm asking that they would not turn aside to foolishness, but would search after you with all their hearts. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless you. Of his glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.